Thank you. Is this on? Can you guys hear me? So this is my first time preaching in this location. It's amazing, right? I almost got lost coming up here. I was like, I don't know how to get on stage. I had to find my way through the back. All right, so let's get started. So anyone here know how to play poker? Anyone know how to play? You don't have to admit it if, you, if that makes you feel uncomfortable. It's all right, it's all right. If you don't know how to play, I'm just gonna tell you, quick, quick study. There's only two ways to win. So the first way is if at the end, by the time your fifth card gets dealt, you get your full hand, the combination of your cards uh, in your hand is of a higher point value than all the other players. So if that's true, then you win all the money in the pot. But there's another way to win, which is more common. And the other way to win is that you want to try to push the other players out of the game. Now, how do you do that? You got to raise the bet. So every round, every time a card gets dealt, you raise the bet. And if people want to play, they got to risk more money, right? But then there's a pressure. That pressure, if they don't want to risk that money, then they got to fold. And if you fold, then you're out of the game. So there was a period in my life where it seemed like everyone around me was really into poker. And I remember sitting there when people would raise a bet and there was so much pressure to fold. People would be sweating, they'd be like fidgeting because they don't know what everyone else has. So they're like stressed out. Pressure was intense. And in today's passage, Jesus isn't talking about poker, but he's going to be warning his disciples about a different kind of pressure. He's going to be warning his disciples about when persecution comes and what, he, what they should do. He's going to instruct them. He's going to call them not to fold, but to stand with him. Stand with him. All right, so let's open our Bibles. We're in Luke chapter 12 today. Luke chapter 12. I love the way we preach because we go so slowly. We hit every single chapter. And you know how like when you're running and you make a milestone, you're like, yeah, so we made it halfway, guys. We're halfway. Luke has 24 chapters. We're in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Are we putting it on the screen? Okay, awesome. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself 
or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Praise God for his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for the presence of your spirit. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are amongst us and that you have given us the space to gather and worship you. Lord, we long to hear from you today. Lord, help us to understand what it is that you are saying. Convict our hearts, open our ears, our minds. Open us so that we may understand and follow you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Today's passage has Jesus warning his disciples of three different scenarios. Three different scenarios. So we're going to break down today's sermon into three do-nots. Three do-nots and one thing we should do. Okay? And each of these do-nots are, are really hard to follow. So last week, John spoke about Jesus' condemnation of the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. You guys remember that? You know, the way that the Pharisees are described in the scriptures almost feels like a comic book. It almost feels like, like it's just so dramatic. Like in Luke 11, the last verse uh, of the chapter right before ours, it says, as Jesus went from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppress him, to provoke him, lying in wait to catch him in something he might say. They almost sound so sinister. Like you can imagine them lurking in the dark like a Disney villain, right? So the Pharisees are always depicted. They are the villains of Jesus's ministry. But historically, the, the Pharisees were actually pretty popular. <laughs> they were quite well liked by the Jews. See, the Pharisees began as a movement to kind of understand the law of Moses, but to interpret it and apply it in a way that it made sense to the Jews at that time. So that's right. The Jews during the time of Jesus were also struggling, how does Leviticus apply to us? And the way that the Pharisees interpreted it and applied it, they liked. So the Pharisees were knowledgeable, they were popular, and Jesus never condemns this. He never condemns their commitment to the law. What he calls out is their hypocrisy and how some of their interpretations might be harming the people. Now Jesus, moments earlier, condemned the Pharisees for hypocrisy. So now he, he finished that. He laid it on thick on the Pharisees and now he's turning to his followers. He's turning to his disciples and he warns them, don't follow that. Don't follow that. He says to them, beware of the leaven. So leaven's like yeast. You know, yeast makes bubbles, it makes dough rise. He's like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy which is hypocrisy. Leaven in the Old Testament is, always, is almost always a symbol of sin and corruption. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's like, don't follow that, watch out for that, watch out for that. So our first do not is do not follow the sins of popular and knowledgeable leaders who are living in hypocrisy. Do not follow them, do not be influenced by the leaders whose insides don't match their outsides. This is a hard truth. This is a hard truth, and I know it's hard. You know, I find it sad sometimes that the church sees these pastors. You guys know who I'm talking about. They've fallen in their public ministry, right? They've fallen, and now churches are using them as descriptions and illustrations of hypocrisy. So I don't want to talk about them today. What I want to talk about is how when the news came out, when the sins, when their sins became public and all of a sudden all these secular news organizations, New York Times, Boston Globe, they're all writing stories about these churches. And we read them and we find out 
just how deep their sin went. We find out how many leaders under that pastor were complicit in that culture, in that church, the culture of abuse, the culture of hypocrisy. It wasn't just them. It wasn't just them. That sin was overlooked, but even worse, it was replicated in the church. It was replicated. So we, as disciples of Jesus, we have to be discerning. We have to be discerning of when those who are perceived to be mature, those who know way more about scripture than we do, we have to be discerning and wise when we realize, hey, they're sinning before God. They're sinning before God. This is a hard truth. This is a hard thing to face. And I know this is happening in churches all around the country. It's hard because we, we don't want to look at our pastors that way, right? We don't want to look at our teachers, the people who raised us, the people who mentored us in the faith in this kind of way. We want the opposite. We want the praise of these leaders. We want the praise of these pastors so much that we don't realize we're starting to look like them in ways that are not glorifying to God. Why does Jesus make this point so explicitly? He says, beware, watch out for them. It's because for the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the influence of the Pharisees was so strong, yet their sin was so subtle. Their sin was so subtle. Jesus expounds upon this warning by telling his disciples, look, everything that you think is going to be hidden, it's going to be revealed. It's going to come out. All that sin that everyone's overlooking, that everyone thinks isn't a big deal, that everything is just behind closed doors, look, the New York Times is going to find out. It's going to be broadcast to the church. It's going to be broadcast to people outside of the church. It's going to be broadcast in heaven. They're not going to escape the consequences, and neither will we. So the first do not is do not follow in the sins of those leaders who live in hypocrisy. Now Jesus continues with another hard teaching. He says, don't fear. Do not fear those who can kill the body and after that can't do anything. But fear God who, after he kills, can send someone to hell. Now this is a crazy statement, right? He's like, don't, don't fear those who can kill you. I, I imagine the disciples are like, Jesus, you serious right now? <laughs> like you're telling me not to, they're trying to kill me. You're telling me not to fear losing my life, losing my life. And this reality Jesus talks about really calls his followers, really calls his believers to the stand. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we really believe about the eternity that is spoken about in the scriptures? Do we really believe that those who have died as Christians are now alive with Christ? Is hell real or not? See, there's many things we say as Christians, but when we look at the way that we live and fear and control and hold on to, it becomes clearer that many of us might be more talk than faith. Because those of us who claim that there's an eternity after we die, but then we live as though everything is here, we invest everything in our comfort and safety here, we're in for a rude awakening. We're in for a rude awakening. So our second do not 
is do not fear those who have no power over our eternity. Don't fear those who have no power over our eternity. See, eternity is a lot, lot longer than the 80, 90, 100 years we might be blessed with on earth. It's a lot longer than that. Don't fear those who might cut those years short because there's a long time coming after that. There's a long time coming after that. Now, as I was working on this sermon, I was really struggling because this Jesus is talking to his disciples all about this context of persecution. But in our context, in America, chances are we're not going to lose our lives because of our faith in Jesus. If anything, it's like the opposite, right? In parts of America, if you don't believe in the Christian God, your life might be in more danger than not. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, we're not, we're probably not going to have to decide between our life in Christ and be martyrs in Brooklyn. But the way that Jesus tells his disciples about persecution is not all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. Back in chapter 6 of Luke's gospel, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. When people hate you, how many of us have felt hated or excluded or abused because of our faith? You know, it's often, Christians are often seen as bigoted, as hateful, as oppressive, racist, because we often hold views that are contrary to the way culture wants to progress. You know, Jesus said that people will hate us as they hated him because we call out sin. We point out sin. And when this persecution comes from loved ones, when it comes from our communities and our families, it hurts. It hurts. I remember my best friend in college. So back in college, I, I became Christian when I was 17. So college, I was a very young believer. And my best friend in college was coming out of the closet at that time. And I remember we used to have such honest, sincere conversations. Like he would ask me, so, so do you really not believe in evolution? And I would say, like, I don't know. And then I would ask him, so do you really think you're born gay? And he would say, I don't know. And we were such good friends, but as we progressed in our respective communities, as, as we continued to grow up in our 20s, like my heart for LGBT people grew, but his heart against Christians became more and more hateful. And it got to the point where he was posting nearly every day on my Facebook wall just anti-Christian stuff, just hateful things on my Facebook. And back then, that was the only thing we had. So I, there was no Instagram back then. It was just post after post. And after a while, I was like, you have to stop because it hurts. It hurts. Jesus warns his disciples, hey, don't fear those who have no power over your, your eternity. They may hate us, they might exclude us, they might abuse us, they might end our lives, but that's all they can do. That's all they can do. It's God who holds power beyond what we see and what we experience in this very temporary existence on earth. Jesus says that if we are to fear, we should fear God who could send us to hell, that's way longer. But with as much passion as he says that, he also says in the next breath, he says, 
that not a sparrow is forgotten by God and we are worth many more than sparrows. In the next breath, he's challenging our fear, but he's going to remind us, look, God is the one who's in control. God knows every hair on your head and God loves you. So you are safe in him. Why do we fear these men when it's God who holds sovereign power? Don't fear. Don't pay any mind to those who don't have power over eternity. This is a temporary experience. Whatever persecution we experience, whatever hate we're enduring, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. Focus on him. So what else should we not, to, not do? So we, we went through two do nots, right? The third do not is do not worry about how to defend yourself when you're being persecuted. Don't worry about how to defend yourself. Jesus tells his disciples, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious when you get thrown before rulers and synagogues, authorities. For our context, it might be anyone who has authority over us, teachers, bosses, our manager. Don't worry because why? The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. The Holy Spirit, in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is always responsible for giving courage, for giving bravery, for giving words, for helping us speak. We have to remember when we're faced with our oppressors, we're not standing there alone. We're not by ourselves there. When our knees are shaking, we have to remember we're not by ourselves. We think our battles are our battles. But the scripture tells us that Jesus, God, will never leave nor forsake us. So Jesus said in John's gospel, the spirit will be with us forever. He will dwell in us. He lives in us. If we are being attacked, he's not running away. He's not like, see it. He's right there with us. And he's empowering us to speak. The Holy Spirit will give us words. He will give us wisdom. He will give us discernment. He will hold our tongue when our emotions want to lash out. We don't have to worry about if we're stuttering, if we have the words to defend ourselves, if we have the words to defend our Christianity. You guys ever feel that? You feel insecure about how to speak about your faith? You guys feel that? Don't worry, don't worry. So these are all hard commands to follow. And all three of these do nots can be summed up in one thing we should do, and that's stand with Jesus. Stand with Jesus, don't fall to men. Stand with Jesus when you see your leader sinning against him. Stand with Jesus when people are threatening your life, when people are hating on you and abusing you. Stand with Jesus before those who have worldly power and authority. You know God is in control because you have the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus sees. Jesus knows. Jesus promises his disciples that whoever acknowledges him here, he's going to acknowledge in heaven. In this passage, it says he's going to acknowledge before the angels in heaven. In another gospel, Jesus is going to acknowledge before the Father in heaven. You will be known in heaven. Now, this is not so much of an exchange as it sounds. It's not like you rub my back now, I'll rub your back later. It's not like that. It's not like that. See, we keep talking about eternity, but eternity has already begun, right? It's already going to continue. The only difference is our transition out of our earthly vessels into our glorified bodies. But our relationship with Jesus now is going to continue. It's going to continue from now into eternity. Jesus says that, he also says that if we deny him here, 
He will deny us in heaven. Well, what, what do we expect? What do we, it's not Jesus part one, Jesus part two. Like when we die, we're going to change our minds. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, I'm going to deny him here, but, you know, I'm expecting that relationship to happen later on. That's not going to happen. The relationship we have here is going to continue with him forever, and that is how we know we're going to be safe. See, this is the message of the gospel, that whoever confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, he's going to be saved. He's going to be saved. We are saved because we stand with him. Because we are aligned with him before we are aligned with any other person or any other power on earth. When Jesus warns whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, I know this scares a lot of people. What does that mean? Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. It means that whoever denies Christ, they're denying the witness of the Holy Spirit to Jesus. Does that make sense? See, because the Spirit bears witness to Jesus. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Spirit reveals Jesus. So if you deny Jesus, you're calling the Holy Spirit a liar. That's what it means to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. When you deny Christ, you're saying the Holy Spirit is wrong. The Holy Spirit is a liar, and that's why you will have no hope. See, Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is the only hope. He is the only way, the only truth, the only way to the Father. So how? You're asking me how. How, Tiff? How can I stand with Jesus before falling to men? How? When everything in this world, so my professor used to say, everything in this world is designed to keep our eyes on here. When we read the news, what am I wearing? What am I buying? What's happening in the news today? What's happening in the news tomorrow? Everything is about to here, the things that are seen, the reality that is here. We don't get enough reminders of those things that are unseen. We don't get enough reminders of the spiritual realities that exist. So of course, when we're all looking here, we're all looking at our lives here, we're planning for our retirement, right? Of course, Death is going to be a catastrophe. Of course, persecution is the end of us. There's nothing else after this. Of course, it's better to placate and listen to sinful leaders because we don't want to hurt our communities. Of course, everything, all our eggs are in here. So how, Tiff, how can we stand with Jesus when stuff here seems so important? So I'm going to tell you my answer. Other people might have different answers. My answer after walking with Christ since I was in high school is we got to develop roots. We got to develop roots. You guys remember the parable of the sower. That third seed fell on rocks, and it looked like it was growing great. It looked like it sprouted up, but it had no roots, so it fell off. I've been talking with my kids about how plants grow and how uh, seeds sprout up and turn into flowers and vegetables and fruits, but without roots. Without strong roots, the next breeze that's going to come over, it's going to fall over. It's going to fall over. It doesn't matter how pretty or nice that plant looks on the outside. Develop roots that no one can see. Develop roots that maybe you don't even know are there until persecution comes and you realize, oh, I can stand. I know my Jesus. I can stand. I have roots that go deep. I have roots that go deep. 
Now the exhortation almost at the end of every sermon is to do what? You got to read your Bibles. You got to pray. But I want to I want to tell you guys that you can memorize every single verse in scripture. You can pray every single minute of the day and still not know Christ. So, so what's the difference? What's the difference? Why am I not going to tell you just to read your Bibles? The difference is when the word penetrates into your heart and it changes your life. The difference is when you start living differently and you start walking in obedience because of what you read. Not because you want to show everyone how you can beat everyone in Sunday school, how you can beat everyone in Bible study. The difference is when you pray, your prayers are raw. They're real. They're personal. They're not just the things that you think you should pray for, but it's a real relationship with Jesus. That's how roots grow. That's how roots grow. Roots grow when you know Jesus through the ups and downs in your life, the trials, the joys, the fires. Every time there's a fire and you pass, your faith pass, that's another branch. That's another root. That's another root growing. Once upon a time, when I was a younger Christian, I was part of a church where the leaders were kind of like Pharisees. They had a lot of rules that didn't come from scripture. And when I challenged them, they saw me as insubordinate. But I stood my ground because they weren't preaching scripture. I stood my ground until I finally had to leave. And when, when I was sharing this story with some women in the church at Zion, one of them said, like, I'm really surprised that, like, with such abusive leadership, you didn't just lose your faith, just leave. And then I was surprised at her question because I was like, no, it's always me and God. It's always going to be me and Jesus. Like, no. Like, no, it's me and Jesus now. It was me and Jesus. Then it's going to be me and Jesus in heaven. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried. See, if everyone in our communities denied Christ, if Zion were to implode, if, if all the powers in the world, if all our friends hated us, because of our faith in Christ, would we still stand or would we fold? Now, I know there's many in our community who are new to the faith. They're new with walking with Jesus. They've made recent commitments. Praise God for all the baptisms that we had. Praise God. But I know it's often that Satan wolves look for the young. So I want to tell you, if you are new to following him, even if you're exploring him, don't fold. Don't fold. Even if your friends, your spouses, your, your parents, even if they reject you, don't fold. Don't fold. You stand with him because I promise you what you have in your hand is better than everyone else. Stay the course. Stand with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. So as we conclude now, I just want to recap. Don't follow the sins of those hypocritical leaders. Be discerning. Be wise about it because everything's going to be revealed. It might be hidden in the church now, but it's not going to be hidden forever. Do not fear those who have no power over our eternity. Look, this persecution, they might think they have the power, but it's going to be cut short. They don't know. They don't know there's an eternity after this, and we're going to be having a party with Jesus. Don't worry. Don't fear them when they hate you. The third one is don't worry about how to defend yourself. Don't worry that you don't know. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't know how to explain my faith. I don't know how to defend everything. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because 
the Holy Spirit has got you. The Holy Spirit has got you. He's going to give you the words to say. Don't fall to the pressure and remember God loves you. Jesus loves you. I want to invite anyone who has felt the Spirit moving today. If this message has spoken a word to your heart, if there's anyone in need of a deeper faith or anyone in need of wisdom, step back. I was going to say come up, but it's really go back. <laughs> We're going to have people in the back ready to pray with you. Um, let me close us in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. We thank you that we